Is it appropriate to sing, I will sing the wondrous story of Christ who died for me on Easter Sunday? Most certainly it is. It's right that we pause to remember that Jesus' victory over death on Easter Sunday morning was preceded by Good Friday when he suffered and died for us. This morning we rejoice in the good news that, as it says in Colossians chapter 2, God has made us alive with Christ. The resurrection from the dead has the capacity to transform our lives. We are raised with him. But it's only possible because Jesus identified with us in our mortality, in our weakness, in our sin at the cross. On Good Friday, Jesus became one with us in death so that on Easter Sunday we might be one with him in resurrection life. So the death and resurrection are not events of Jesus that are abstracted from us. Here and now, the death and resurrection of the Son of God impacts our lives. So we are changed and brought from death to life. That's the great Easter hope. Because Jesus died and rose again, our existence doesn't come to an end when our bodies are buried in the ground or consumed by the flames in the crematorium. The resurrection of Jesus is God's guarantee that death is not the end. On the other side of death, he has prepared for us an existence that is free from all the restrictions that chafe our souls in this life. The final outcome of life is changed from death to life. And that means whatever stage we may find ourselves this morning, there is always something to look forward to because of Jesus. Yet it's more than just life after death. God has made us alive with Christ, it says in Colossians. The resurrection of Jesus changes us now. The whole orientation and direction and purpose of our lives is transformed. At the core of our beings, God brings new life, resurrection life, life in all its fullness. Once we were dead in our sins, but God has made us alive in Christ. He has forgiven all our sins. The record of our debts has been erased. The edict pronouncing us guilty has been taken and nailed to the cross of Christ. We are no longer under the sentence of death. The debt we owe has been paid on our behalf and we are free to go and live a life free from fear. We're liberated from a cycle of failure, guilt, self-blame, failure and guilt, self-blame. All of that stops because Jesus died. At the cross, Jesus took our guilt, died our death, carried us into the tomb and left them there dead and buried while he emerged victorious, giving us forgiveness, rewriting the script of our lives so it's no longer one of condemnation and failure. Instead, we live lives of forgiveness, love, and hope. Whatever you've done, Jesus dealt with it on the cross. Whatever hold the past may have on your life, it's broken through the resurrection of Jesus. Put him in charge. Let him direct your life and govern who you are. He died your death. Now is the time to declare that Jesus is Lord and for you to live his life. But Colossians says we weren't only dead in our sins, we were dead in the uncircumcision of the flesh, or sinful nature, as the NIV awkwardly puts it. Circumcision was the mark made in the physical flesh of every Israelite adult male to mark them out as members of God's own people. It was a sign of belonging, of covenant membership, of being on the inside. And those who lacked that sign were called uncircumcised, outsiders, people who didn't belong, people who had no place within God's family. But the death and resurrection of Jesus means that distinction no longer applies. Entry into God's kingdom is open to everyone. You don't need a special visa. You don't have to come from the right part of the world. You don't even have to come from the right part of Horsham. You don't need a clean driving license. It doesn't matter if you've got a criminal record. All 
that documentation that could be used to exclude you from God's kingdom was shredded at the cross. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was stripped, not just of his clothing, but of all his identity, of everything that marked him out as unique. He was crucified as a common criminal. He became a nobody, identifying there with all those who are labelled as outcasts. And so as he becomes one with us at the cross, we become one with him in resurrection. One with him in a new humanity, where all distinctions between us and them are abolished. Where Christ is the be-all and end-all, and where Jesus is in each and every one of us. Uniting us as his body, the church, where there are no labels. Whatever might have been held against you in the past, it's gone. Dealt by Jesus' death on Good Friday. A new identity forged for you on Easter Sunday. He brings you out of death into resurrection life. Then Colossians as well celebrates Jesus' victory over spiritual powers and authorities. He disarmed them, made a public spectacle of them, triumphed over them. The language transforms the common perception of crucifixion. On the cross, Jesus was stripped, exposed to public humiliation, utterly defeated. Had the story ended on Good Friday, that would have been the end. But the resurrection of Jesus changes that script. The powers that thought they had destroyed Jesus are themselves defeated. While they thought to make a public spectacle of him, his triumph results in their disgrace. Where they stripped him of his clothes on the cross, he stripped them of their power, disarming them and leaving them defenceless. In many ways, we live in a different world today. In the ancient world, people lived their lives in fear of hostile spiritual powers which needed to be appeased and placated through the offering of sacrifices to secure their favour. And you know, today, people sometimes have this erroneous idea that you need to do something to get God on your side. If you don't do something, then God will be indifferent, maybe actively opposed to you, unless you do something to make him happy. The idea that God is already well disposed to us, that God is full of steadfast love with a heart full of grace, is a foreign one to many people. But that is what the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is really like. If your idea of God is of some deity that needs to be appeased before he'll look on you with favour, then you're looking in the wrong direction. God has already and conclusively demonstrated unconditional love and grace and favour towards you by giving his son to you and for you. That doesn't mean to say that everything will always go right, but it does mean that you can trust the promise of God's ultimate goodness. At the same time, there is something in this Colossian view that there are spiritual powers out there whose aim is to make life difficult, make things go wrong, spoil and damage people's lives. We contact them by doing things like horoscopes, by engaging in the occult, by having tarot card readings, by experimenting with spiritualism. Those things allow those spiritual powers a degree of control over our lives. We can become wrapped up in looking for auspicious times to do this or that, making decisions in fitting in with whatever unseen forces we believe might have an influence over us. The more we take such things into account, the more influence we allow them to have. In Colossae, people live their lives in fear of such powers. But the message of this letter is they don't need to. Because through the death and resurrection of Jesus, those powers have been comprehensively defeated. God has brought us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved Son. A kingdom where we can have complete confidence in God because of his unconditional love and grace and faithfulness to us. Even if you don't believe in such spiritual powers, it's still possible for our lives to be governed by damaging forces outside of our control. People are imprisoned by a deep-rooted sense of shame or worthlessness or failure or insecurity. 
And those things just degrade and destroy us as people. They rob us of life. They strip us of our identity. They disempower us to the point where we can feel completely paralysed on the inside. But the death and resurrection of Jesus breaks the hold that those powers have over our lives as well. Sometimes, in a moment of clarity, you can think, all this stuff I feel about myself, I know it just isn't true. That's not really who I am. Hold on to those moments of truth. And recognise that wherever this binding negativity comes from, it is not part of the person that God made you to be. Identify there's something other than yourself and recognise that its power was broken when Jesus died and rose again for you. All that worthlessness, shame, vulnerability, he took it on the cross. Now is the time to recognise that God has made you alive with Christ. Let his resurrection life fill your heart. Change the direction and outcome of your life and set you free. Yes, we thank God this morning that the resurrection of Jesus impacts on our lives today because he died for us then. The power of God which raised Jesus from the dead brings us new life as we put our trust in him and give our lives to him. If you've never done that before, or if you need to do so again, why not make this Easter Sunday the day you entrust your life to Jesus? With its history, with its problems, with its shortcomings, with your insecurities, give it to him. And this Easter Sunday, let God make you alive with Christ today and for eternity. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive.